us to the book of Ephesians again. It's the eat part of go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All right, when you get there, say, I'm there. David and Joe have a distinct advantage. All you have to do is hit EPH and it goes right there, right? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1. I was um, talking to a gentleman yesterday from New Hampshire and he was telling me that um, their uh, school board is in, his, in this town is, is having a real issue and the town's having a real issue with the school board and they're kind of going back and forth. What's, what's happened is that um, there is a young man, I guess, in the high school who identifies as a woman. And so the school board has said, well, you ha can have access to the, to the ladies' locker room. And so the town has said, that's not very cool. And they've started pulling all their kids out of, this, out of the school. Um, and it's creating a, a lot of a crisis because... Um, the kids are being pulled out of school, but you know, at the same time, a lot of times the mom and dad are both working, and so the kids don't have a. I mean, how do you homeschool immediately when it's? I mean, we, Ruth will tell you when you homeschool, it is a process, and it is it's a lot to get set up because you got to get curriculum and you got to get books, and you to just say, hey, let's do it on a whim is is not it doesn't work. So they're trying to to work through this process because of the, this identity issue of this young man. And I really think that uh, our society, um, both saved and unsaved uh, right now, has a real issue with identity. A lot of the, um, a lot of the, the gender debate right now is, is all about identity and, and uh, what society is doing a lot is is putting an emphasis on on our identities how do you feel about yourself what do you what do you feel like you are today if you feel like you're a tree you can be a, be the best tree you can be if you feel like you are a woman or you feel like you're a man or you just don't know be the best you don't know you can be as long as you feel that way and it's, it's, an, it's really a lot, this identity crisis of, of who are you? It, you know, one thing they do have correct, even though they, they're, they're encouraging this aberrant thoughts and behavior and, and, and the way we, we think about ourselves, they're encouraging people to do things that are, are to, to think about the way that they are in a, in a not only unbiblical, but a very, um, it, it's something that's not ever really been accepted before. But something they do have correct is that we behave in a way that is, um, it, 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 we behave how we see ourselves, Okay. Our identity determines our behavior. Mm -hmm. 
Let me, let me say that again. Our identity, how we see ourselves, determines our behavior. Now, we shouldn't be seeing ourselves in a, in a, in a crazy way and then say, well, we're going to make society conform to your identity of yourself. Okay? That's, that's, that's incorrect. That, but, but how we see ourselves will determine how we act. How we see ourselves determines how we interact with others. How we see ourselves determines what kind of worker we are. It's, it determines how we do in school. It determines how we um, do on our job or how we, uh, how we will um, you know, work in church and, and, and how our relationship with God is. How we see ourselves determines almost um, everything of how we act. Um, Dave, somebody just walked in. Would you mind just kind of going and sing? Oh, is it Shannon? Oh, good. I'm sorry. I just saw somebody. Great. Wonderful. Good, good. Couldn't tell it was. Thank you very much. All right. So how we see ourselves determines how we act. Now, um, we all... um, you, know, you may have heard before, and I've, t- I've talked about the great exchange, right? Uh, we, we see, um, at, you might see, uh, they, they say substitutionary atonement, right? That's a, that's a big word that, that means that, that Jesus and, um, has, Jesus' righteousness was given to us, and our yuck was given to him. But it's kind of like, like this. Let's say, you drove a, uh, a Chevy Nova, late 70s model, right? By the way, you, you know the Nova was a, a big flop in, um, in Hispanic, you know, Spanish-speaking countries. You know that, right? I've, so I've heard. In, what Nova? Nova in Spanish means what? Don't go. Right. Let's say you're in your Chevy Nova. You've got 350,000 miles on. You've got to make sure and keep the, the the floor mats in there because it's so rusted out that that's what keeps your foot from going through. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And you pull up in front of somebody's house, and they've they've got a uh, this uh, Bugatti Levoutre Noir. Have you have you ever heard about this car? It's a one of a, it's a one of a kind. Um, took about two years, to, literally one of a kind. Took about two years to make. Sixteen-cylinder engine, six, you know, six uh, exhaust pipes coming out. It uh, with with the um, with tax and everything is about twenty million dollars. Consider you're pulling up in your Chevy Nova and you see this Bugatti in this guy's driveway and you you hop, you look at it and you go, Hey, dude, nice car. And he says, hey, you got a Chevy Nova. I'll switch you. You go, well, no, no, I, I, there's no way I could ever afford. No, 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 no. It's paid up. I've got the insurance paid up for the life of the car. Can I have yours? You take mine. Excuse me? No, he, seriously, here's the title. Like, I don't have a title. Mine says junk on it. <laughs> Just give me, your, give me your keys, and I'll, you can have my keys, and here's the title, right? And you go, 
this is the, the, the ultimate of, of luxury versus sports car, right? We're talking every piece handmade. He says, here, have this. And that's like what it is for the atonement with us, with Jesus. You know, we've got junk, <laughs> right? We have junk written on our forehead. And Jesus has perfect in every way written on his. And he says, I will give you my perfect in every way if you'll give me your junk. Right? That's substitutionary atonement. That's where he takes all of our sin, all of our yuck, all of the mess, everything that we have ever done in our lives that's wrong, everything that we will ever do that is wrong and a mess. And he says, I will give you my perfection. How about that? A lot of times we can believe that pretty well. Like, okay, that's great, Lord. Thank you. You know, I don't understand it. I don't know how it's possible. But thank you, Jesus, for the atonement. Thank you for your righteousness and for taking my sin. But you know what? I think there's more than that. We need to actually have a substitutionary identity as well. We need to have, you know, we need to take on the identity identity of Christ and not just the righteousness of Christ. We need to take on his identity and not just his righteousness. You know, um, let, let, yeah, let me, well, let me, let's look in verse uh, 15. Let me read just a few of these verses here. You take on the identity. How, how do we take this identity of Jesus on? Uh, verse 15, this is Paul again. Remember, he's writing to um, this group. More than likely, it's the, the church in Ephesus. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. What, what's he praying for them? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Right? Look at verse 18. I pray that your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling. Okay, pause right there. We'll, we'll read the rest of it later. But that you will know what the hope of His calling is. Here's the, here's the idea. Um, calling, it's like an invitation. Okay, how many people have been invited to something special, right? Even, and then it's, it's sometimes it's like, boy, just to get this invitation is an honor. Maybe it's an invitation to be part of a special group. You're part of this scholarship group, or you're part of this uh, select group in your company, right? You're, you're part of a special group, or maybe it's, it's to a, um, a special event, and it's only a select few who are invited, right? And you get the invitation, you say, wow, I'm honored for this select company, this select event, this select thing. And what, what the idea is, is you have been selected by God. Think about the creator of the universe calling your name and saying, Carolyn, I want you. Would you come? Steve, 
you hear the name, your name called. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like you know, um, you're sitting there in, in a raffle and you're listening for your name. When, when you used to be able to put your names in, now it's all you need numbers. But you're listening and they called your name. That's it. That's me. And God's calling your name. Steve, come. Right? Our calling is something so special. But whose calling is it? Look here. Pray that um, your eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you'll know what the hope of His calling. See, I believe this is about identity. This is about, the, the whole thing is identity, but this particular part, I'm going to focus on our identity in Christ. You see, as I started out the, the service, how we see ourselves, often it, it usually determines how we act. How we see ourselves almost always determines how we act. The problem is, is oftentimes we don't see ourselves how Jesus wants us to see ourselves. And there's a lot of different things that, that happen in our lives that will, will keep us from seeing ourselves in, in that manner. You know, you know, a lot of times people have a, a, a bad childhood. Something happens in their childhood and, and all of a sudden something's broken, right? There's, there's some sort of crisis or trauma or abuse or something in, in the, that, that is broken. And so, you know, it's maybe somebody's having a hard time seeing dad as a good father because either they didn't have a good father or they didn't have a father. And so the idea of father is foreign to someone. So, so you identify yourself as fatherless when you have a father saying, would you come? Or maybe it's, it's something that happens while, while, you're, while you're a kid and you just can't get, get over that thing. And when, when God says, hey, I want you to... Um, I want you to take this, this step and I want you to um, uh, get this degree or I want you to go after this job or I want you... And you say, well, you know what? I never finished X grade in school. I can't get that. Because you have that identity in yourself of I, I missed out. And yet God is calling you to something else but you're seeing yourself still as that, that one who never got beyond See how our identity can affect what God is calling us to do? Or he might be saying of you, this is, this is who you are to me. This is the, the calling I have for you. I, I have called you to this ministry. I have called you to, uh, to start a ministry. I've called you to, uh, to get on the streets and go, to, and go street witnessing. Or I've called you to... To, to start a food pantry, or I've called you to be a part of something that's, that, that's bigger. And, and you, you can look at yourself and say, there's no way I can do that. In some essences, if you, if, you know, if you, God's not going to call you to something that you can do. Let me tell you that, all right? Because if you can do it, he's not going to get the glory. But oftentimes, we will not step out because our identity is in something that happened to us in the past. 
And our identity is not in the call of Jesus and who Jesus actually is. Instead, what we need to do is, is realize that when, when God has called us, right? He said, Lynn, you're mine. Come on. It's his call. And there's not only a great exchange of, of Jesus' um, righteousness for our mess, but there's this great exchange of his identity, the identity of Christ within us. It's like he says this, Kyria, I accept you. What is it? What do you say? There's a, there's a book that the girls have read, I've read. It's, it's called Green Ember. Um, it's by uh, S.D. Smith. He um, is a, a Christian author, and this is, it's a kind of fantasy um, uh, adventure book. But they, they have a ceremony. Right? They, they have a ceremony for someone becoming a, um, an apprentice to them. And he'll say, I accept you. He'll say, I am accepted. And I've committed to you that you will be better you know, when, when you leave. I will make sure you're better. When God comes to you and says, I accept you. And you say, I am accepted. Right? You take upon his identity and his nature so that the old, right, we're just saying about it, the old has gone. And now, with the identity of Christ within us, whatever he says for us to do, I'm not, I'm not saying what he tells you to do is going to be easy. I'm not saying what he tells you to do is going to be possible even by your own standards, but you can say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to jump out on that water. I'm going to take the step out because I know Jesus is in me. You have accepted me and I'm going to step out. I have a new identity. I have a new identity. And I, that identity is not in the old. It's not in the past. It's not in my sin. It's not in my Shortcomings, it's not in what's, been, what's happened to me. My identity lies in Jesus. It's his identity. All this is really about identity, but let's, what's, the, what's the next thing? Verse 18, So I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, or for the saints. His inheritance. Wow. What does Jesus own? Is there anything that he doesn't own? 
So what about us? Do we have his inheritance? You know, when you when you start realizing what we have, we don't focus on the knots, right? Oftentimes we we won't step out again because we feel like we don't have the resources. Sometimes, sometimes those are monetary resources. Sometimes those are um, uh, resources like things with us. You know, I, I don't have the gifts or the talents. Sometimes we, it's things that we need. Whether you know, maybe it's not just money, but it's actual. You know, we we, we need this. Or we need that to be able. To, but we need to start seeing that the inheritance of Jesus is ours. The nations are ours. Right across the street, that's ours. Everywhere we put our feet, the Lord has given it to us. By the way, the vast majority of... You see the miracles and stuff in the New Testament? If you think about, um, you know, so much of what Jesus did, so much of what... Uh, you know, when Peter and John were going and they, they, they found somebody and that person got healed, it was on the way, right? You put your feet somewhere, you start walking and you find ministry. Why? Because that's yours. You're, 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 you're walking in your inheritance. And so you see something there that, that needs to be touched. You say, okay, I'll do that. You've given that to me. This is my inheritance. Now, does that mean that there is... Now, when, when they went into the promised land, right? God had already given the land, but what was in the land? Giants. There's giants in that land. Yeah, that's right. You have to stand and fight, but it's already theirs. If you remember, sometimes, sometimes in the land, God would rain hail down on them, or thunder, or the walls fall down, or you know, sometimes they didn't have to do much of any fighting. Sometimes they had to pull the swords out and go kill everybody. They met on the battlefield, or they, they surrounded Jericho. Jer- Jericho was a, a combination. They surrounded Jericho. God made all the walls fall down, but then they had to rush the city. Right? It's that combination that, you know, we've got to, we step out. We realize what our inheritance is. There is nothing that is impossible to us. I'm going to get to some more application here in just a minute. When I get past the next point. There's nothing impossible to us. Right? But we've got to walk on it. We've got to get out. And, and along the way, we see somebody. We see something that needs to be done. And we say, the Lord's given me that ability. The disciples have the ability to see the, the guy sitting at the gate called Beautiful who had been laying there for 30 years and say, come on, walk. Is that, is that just a, a natural talent someone has? Come on. We're going to start a come on, uh, the way, walk um, 
uh, seminar, right? Uh, we'll, we'll get everybody getting on, you know, one person on one hand and put, you know, pull, start pulling people off to, uh, to their feet. No, nobody, you, you, that's, not, that's not innate in somebody. That's a God-given thing, right? Where they saw and said, okay, God is telling me to do this along the way. This is, this is our inheritance, to give freedom to the captives, right? It's his inheritance has become our inheritance. It's his identity. It's his inheritance. Look at the next one. Verse 19. What's the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. See him at his right hand in the heavenly places. See that identity? This is where he was. He seated him at the right hand. Far above all rule and power, authority, power and dominion. Okay? Power. Right? His innate ability. The power. He was given... Not only this, but also in the, um, sorry, uh, yeah, in every name that is named, not only in this, but the one to come. He put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body. The church is his body, right? The fullness of him who fills all in all. Right? So his the last one is his innate ability, which is, I was touching on this a moment ago. We don't, have, a lot of times, you know, God calls us to do something that is beyond our ability. I think he does that mostly, especially when he calls you to do something. He's like, uh, I, I can't do that. And it's like, he's like, you're right, you can't. But you know what? It's not about your ability. It's about his. That's that, that identity um, substitutionary identity. You realize that in your physicalness, you can't. But because Jesus lives in you, yes, you can. Right? Look at this one more time. I want to, I want to ask us a question. He seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, verse 20, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age but the one to come. Can you name something that is not under his feet? Every name that is named. That pretty well covers it. And he's given it to us. I mean, um, let me let me show you something real quickly, and then I want to I want to ask us a real. Um, application question here. Go, flip over to Romans 8. Alright, Romans 8. 
I'm just going to start in verse 10. Romans 8, 10 says, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Okay, remember, Jesus was dead, right? Not just partially dead. He wasn't sort of dead on the gurney and they hit him with a couple paddles, right? It wasn't just he was dead and they put a respirator on him and all of it, you know, and he wasn't just in a coma, right, that he woke up a couple days later. He was really dead, like, shove a spear in your side, dead. The, the Romans were really, really good at killing people. They made sure that they were really dead before they buried them, before they took them off of the cross. They made sure they were really dead. Jesus was put into a tomb and put spices on him and wrapped in, in a cloth because he was really dead. The Holy Spirit comes and raised this really dead person to life. Okay? You're like, I know that, Ryan. We, we, we talk about this at Easter. Every Easter we talk about this, right? But let me tell you, if the Holy Spirit can raise someone who's been dead for three days to life, is there anything He can't do in you? Is there anything in your body or in your mind or in your spirit or in your past or in your future? Or is there anything in there that He can't fix? Is there anything in you that is holding you back in such a way that the Holy Spirit can't undo it. Come on. Let's get real. Are we held back by stuff? Come on. Are we are we can sin hold us back? Yeah. Can can our past hold us back? Yeah. Can can the way we've been treated in the past hold us back? Yeah. Can can abuse hold us back? Yeah. Can things that have, you know, just life circumstances hold us back? Yeah. Is there anything that the, Holy, that the Holy Spirit can't take that thing and say, it's gone and you're going to go forward? No. The Holy Spirit can take care of any of it. Any of it. If He can raise a dead person to life. Nobody came over to Jesus and prayed on the tomb. Right? He didn't have anybody that said, roll away the stone. Jesus, come forth. The Holy Spirit just came and did it. Come on. Can he do that for you? If we are identifying with Jesus, do you think he wants to do that for you? Now let's get really practical for just a couple minutes. And then I, want to, then I want to pray.
I've asked this question before, but I want us to keep thinking about it because it, it, this applies so much to this message. What if everything that came out of your mouth, everything that you said, what if it happened? Everything that you said, what if it automatically went, it's like you were a genie in a bottle. All you had to do was say it and it would happen. Think about what comes out of your mouth on a daily basis. How many would change your speech immediately? And you're like, oh, you're like, million dollars in the bank, right? Our town would be perfect utopia, right? You, you would say, new car, new house, right? Is it, but what are you saying that you don't want to happen? How, how about this? Well, that's another senior moment. Anybody say that? Don't raise your hands. I'm just, I, I, I just can't do the things that I used to do. I don't remember as well. I, I'm not quite as spry as I was when I was young. I don't have the resources for that. I just don't have the ability. I don't, I'm not, uh, I, I, I don't know the right people. I don't, how many things do you say that you limit? If you actually, those things that came out of your mouth, I'm no good remembering names. I just... I was never good at school, and I'm still not good. I'm not good at math. Come on. How many things that would we not want to take place because they come out of our mouths? What would it be like if we only spoke those things that we want God manifesting in us and in others? You know why this is, don't you? It's um, it, it goes back to numbers, and it's also repeated in, in Revelation. God wants us all to be prophets. You know that's what Moses said. You know when the the with, you know God took some of what was on Moses and put it on the seventy, and they started prophesying. And you had two that were still left out in the camp, and uh, Eldad and Medad, right? And and Joshua said they're prophesying in the camp. You want, you want me to stop them? And Moses said no. I would that all God's people were prophets. And you get to the book of Revelation and it says that the, the spirit of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Right? The revelation of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He wants us all to be 
that prophetic. And so what, what are you doing when you're speaking this stuff out? You're speaking out because God has put a prophetic nature in you. You're speaking out stuff. Okay, let, let, me, let me give you an example. Um, you, all, you all know Caleb, right? Right? Caleb in, in, in the Bible, Old Testament, right? You get, you get to the book of Joshua, right? And you, you know Caleb was 80 years old when he gets into the promised land. What do you think the um, life expectancy was for his, for his group? It's a trick question. What do you think the life expectancy was? Remember, God had told everybody, everyone of fighting age, you're going to die before you, go into the, before you go into the promised land. So the life expectancy was not very high because everyone who was like 20 years old or more died in those 40 years. So you're talking... 60 to maybe you had some people that are a little bit older, maybe so 60 to 80. So, and here you've got Caleb. He's one of the oldest in the entire group, right? We're not talking everybody else is Caleb's age too. He is one of the few that are over 40, 50 years old. And he says, I'm as, young, I'm as spry and able at 80 as I was when I'm 40. Where's my hill? I want my hill. Give me that hill. I'm going to go take it. Come on. Which one of you guys are saying, Where's my hill? You're not saying, well, you know what? Everybody else is younger than me. I'll give them my sword. I'll let them take the hill. No. Look, God has so much for us. He has so much for us. But we have to get that identity of Christ within us. There's no quit, right? If you don't quit, you win. There's no quit. We, but we need to start seeing ourselves with the identity of Christ in us and start acting out, not just His righteousness, okay? But that we are looking at ourselves and, and the, the, our past is not holding us back. We're looking at ourselves and saying our resources are not going to hold us back because he owns it all. We're looking at ourselves as saying, there is no enemy that can come against us that we will not, we will not defeat. I don't care what the enemy is, we're going to take him down. Right? And the enemy is the demonic forces, principalities, and powers that are behind. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about what's standing behind the junk that we come up against. We're going to take down those that those enemies and we're going to succeed because Jesus has a nature of being able to succeed and he has put that in us. 
Now, I, I want to I pray. I want to pray for whoever would like prayer this morning, okay? Um, but I want to get really real, all right? There are things in us that crop up in our identity. There's things in our past. Sometimes it's things that we've done. Sometimes it's things that have been done to us. Sometimes it is sin. Sometimes it is things that we have had no control of whatsoever. But it hinders us from going forward. A lot of times it keeps us from having our identity that Jesus wants us to have. Because he'll say, you are this. And you say, no, I'm not. (laughs) I'm glad you think that, Lord, but that's not who I am. There are things that, you know, when God says, I I want you to do, I want you to go pray for so-and-so, and you say, no, I'm not qualified for that, Lord. And there's those things that are in our past that will that will hinder us. Maybe it's a sin of the past, and you say, ah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not qualified. Or maybe it is you, have, you, you don't feel worth that much. You don't, you, you're, not worth, you're, not, you're worth less. You are, you are in, you're incomplete, or you're incompetent, or you, because of something in your past, you just say, no, I'm not, I can't go there. I can't have that identity. I, you know, so it's what I said beforehand. Can you look in the mirror you know, when we were taking communion? Can you look in the mirror and say, "I am a child of God and I'm His favorite"? Or do you look in the mirror and say, "I'm not sure I like that person." If that's you, if you have something in your past that is holding you back from being, from receiving that identity that Jesus has for you, I want to pray for you this morning. Okay, and, I, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to, here in just a moment, we're going to pray together, I'm going to dismiss everybody, and then if that's you, I want you to come forward, and I just want to take a moment to pray for whoever that is, because I want us, to, God can heal those things. He wants to heal those things. There's a there's a verse you know in um, in Isaiah, uh, it's, it's the verse that Jesus quoted when he took his ministry. He said um, that he's you know the Spirit of God has come upon me to to bind up the brokenhearted, to deliver the captives, right? God wants to heal the brokenhearted. So that we can identify with him. Right, so I'm, I'm about to just pray and dismiss those who don't want prayer. But what I'd like us to do, um, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And if that's you, if you like, I, I need, I need that. I need the broken heart to be bound up. I need that identity issue to be taken care of. I need. The, the things in my past, whether it's sin in the past, whether it's trauma, whether it's uh, whatever, I, I need that healed. Um, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And one of the, the first things that needs to be done is if, if, if you have any resentment of anybody in your life, you need to forgive them. 
And so I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come, and if, if He shows you a picture of somebody, what I just want you to do is um, say, Lord, I forgive that person. Use the name. You don't have to say it out loud. Lord, I forgive Jim Bob. And Lord, I ask that you would forgive Jim Bob. And I release him or her to you. Okay? Did you get that? The Holy Spirit brings in, Lord, I forgive. Lord, I ask that you would forgive. And Lord, I release this person to you. Okay? So I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Let's just take a few minutes and then then I'm going to just dismiss everyone. And uh, if that's you this morning, when I get done praying, if you say, I, I need that broken heart to be healed. And I need to be able to identify my identity with Jesus. And I'm, then when we're done, I dismiss, I want you to just come forward. Let me pray with you. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for being such a loving caring God you are long suffering you you wait on us you wait till we're ready and then you gently nudge us and try to keep nudging us towards Jesus Holy Spirit would you come right now and with each and every person in here. If there's anyone in their life that they need to forgive, maybe that's when they're from the time they were really young all the way up until the time they walked into the church. Or something even happened in the church, Lord. Lord, if there's anyone that they need to forgive, I pray that you'll bring those faces, those people to each, each one's mind right now. Just in your own sweet way, Holy Spirit, bring those, those people to each person's mind. And I pray that you'll give everyone the courage and the ability to forgive to ask you to forgive and then to release that person into your care. If he's just showing you things, just keep on naming those people. So, Lord, I forgive so-and-so, and I ask that you forgive so-and-so, and I release them to you. But I'm going to go ahead and finish. But you just keep on letting the Holy Spirit minister to you. Lord, I, I pray right now for each person here. I pray that you'd minister to them. 
Lord, for those who need a, a touch and a healing from you, those who are at home, even right now, those who uh, are family members that, that need a touch, those who are family members who need to get saved or who need to get re- their, their uh, lives rededicated, Lord, I pray for healing. I pray for healing of hurts. I pray for healing of, of bodies. Lord, I pray for um, salvations to come. Lord, I pray also for uh, each each person in here that you would uh, protect them as they go. And Lord, I, um, I pray for your provision. Lord, I pray for salvations. Lord, bring bring people to know you all over. Lord, all over this town, all over this area. Lord, salvations. Give us many to win into the kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.